I'm finishing the second part of this, this big question of why we pray. And uh, I, I know that everybody has so many thoughts and directions and ideas and, and things like that. The reason why I'm tackling this is because I, I believe that it's important that there's a lot of cliche things, and I'll show you in a minute, that we say or believe as Christians. But when it comes to the practical application, we step back and say, I just don't know. We fear, we, we shake, we fall apart, we question God. And, I, and I'm going to tell you guys, I don't mind challenging your thinking or challenging my thinking to get real in the scriptures to actually know where we are and the things that we're really dealing with. And it's something that we're really, really dealing with is an absence of prayer in our lives and in our churches. That's, that's the truth. Now, I'm not going to do a survey this morning of how many of you prayed a lot or prayed more or prayed less or struggling because we all struggle with prayer. I am doing a, uh, a, a topical lesson because I'm doing a doctrinal thing. I'm, I, I want to take Old Testament, New Testament, Jesus, Revelation, and walk you all the way through and, and, and line up these doctrinal truths of it. Next week, I'll go do more ex, uh, expository where we'll park in a passage and we'll, we'll sit there and take it apart. That's, that's the way I would rather do this. I, the reason why I don't like doing this all the time because a lot of times you can't keep up with me. I say, turning your Bibles, and if I say, turning your Bible to every thought that I have or every point that I want to do, all you're doing is flipping around. So we put it on the screen, and I'd love for you to jot these passages down in the outline that we're going to put on the screen to help you. I, I, all I can do as a pastor is lean on the Scriptures. That's all I should do as a pastor, by the way. It's not all I can do. It's like there's options there or something. It's not what I mean by that. But I, I, I got into this thing in the matter of prayer of, of does prayer change things? Because if it does change things, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be driven to prayer. I'm, I'm going to know that God answers and God moves. So I gave you this verse last week. I'll springboard off this again and, and just think, thinking that this is what's lacking in our prayer. In 1 John 4, 5, 14, and some of you have already marked it down or circled this word. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Confidence. It's lacking in our prayer life, to be honest. It, because we don't understand it. We don't get it. It doesn't add up to me. So we're going to pray right now. We're going to pray. You're going to pray for me as your pastor, okay? Lord, give me thought. Last week I, I struggled. I had, a, I had a hard time up here. I emailed myself the wrong format of my notes. So all of my verses and all of my points and all of my thoughts that I put in here... We're at a 0.6 font on my notes. And I know that that might not be a big deal for some of you, but when you're looking down, I did it wrong and I struggled bad. I was like, Lord, help me. And I know it's not my message, but his, but man, I'm just praying today, God, give us clarity, okay? God, give us clarity. Give us understanding. Because I do believe that God is going to direct us today because we're going to study his word. Let's pray. God, I, I need you. Lord, I know without a doubt I need you. Lord, we need understanding of prayer. Lord, a lot of us could not say that we have confidence in our prayer because we've prayed things and got no answer whatsoever. We have fasted, we have begged, we have pleaded. And Lord, we come up empty. Lord, I know that some people have walked away from their prayer life because they just think Lord, if you're going to do what you're going to do, just let you do it. And I'm not going to waste my time praying. But Lord, I know that these thoughts are wrong. And Lord, we need understanding. Lord, we need 
a touch of God. Lord, we need an, just our minds set free from the lies and the bondage of, that Satan tries to put in there to hinder us from praying. So Lord, I pray that you speak to all of us this morning. I pray this because I trust you and I love you and I need you. In your name we pray, amen. I have to explain the two sides and I know that the Bible can't contradict itself. And I'll do a form of review to kind of get you guys caught up with this. The Bible, the Word of God, cannot, will not ever contradict itself. It can't. If there is a contradiction in Scripture, it means that there is something in our mind that is wrong. It's not something in Scripture that is wrong. So we sit there and we ask the questions, why do we pray? And, and, I, and I explain the two different approaches that I, I, I talk to people, and here's where they're at. They battle with these things. One is that God has it all planned out, and there's nothing that I can do to possibly change it. We don't pray because if God already has a plan, then there's no reason that I should ask him to do anything because he's going to do what he's going to do. And there's a lot of doctrine and stuff that goes behind that. We know that God is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. We know that God has a plan. He works his plan. He knows his plan. He does all these things. Then Satan gets in in our minds that if I can't do anything about it, then, then there's no reason to pray. Then this brings us to the conclusion that if God already has a plan and I can't change it, then I go mute with my relationship with God. Then it brings up the question, but what if you can change the mind of God? And I ask the question, is this thinking correct of can we change the mind of God? Can, is God going to send us on a path and then we sit there and go, whoa, 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 God, God, I can't, I can't. And then we say, please, please. And then God says, okay, okay, all right, do this instead. And, and I, I thought, is that, is that thinking good or bad? Because I, I, I promise in this room, if I was to ask how many of you think we can change the mind of God, hands would go up all over. So I went in and said, let's just stop and talk about God for a minute. We know that God is sovereign. He's completely in control. He's limitless. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. Man, I, I know that, and I, I don't have the verses to go through it all again, but I also know that God does not change in Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I change not. Now that we ask the question, if I change not, is that talking about my path? Is that talking about my prayers? Is that talking about the character of God? I know the character of God does not change. But that leads us to something. That leads us to understand that God is truth. He'll always be truth. God is holy. God will always be holy. God is righteous. That will never change. Cannot change. Which also allows me to know that he always does right and he always does what's best. You're going to let that go. He is always right and he always does what's best. God is always good. Think about this. God is always good. Psalm 100 verse 5, the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. He is perfect in all his ways. He never makes a mistake. God cannot make a mistake. So the big question is, why do we want to change the mind of God? I'm not asking you, can you? Just put that aside. Bam. I'm going to ask you, why do you want to change the mind of God? Just stop for a minute. Process that. Let an answer come to your mind right now. Let an answer come to your mind. Why do you want to change the mind of God? Because you're sitting there saying, oh. The real question is that. Why do you think you would need to change the mind of God? And all we get from that is scary answers. You don't think God's going to do good. I don't like the direction that God is taking me. 
I'm just, I'm, I'm being honest. I, I, I know. <laughs> I'm just, let's get real. Let's get real. I, I don't, this, Ill, this illness is not right. This relationship is not right. God is hurting. If we need to change the mind of God, then, then we have bigger problems. We have a, the wrong view of God. Now, we would never admit that. Let's, let's, take it, let's take a toll. This is what I'm talking about, our shallow Christianity. Let's see, how many, how many of you have been in church most of your life? Raise your hand right now. All right, we're going to test that theory right here. Okay, let's see how, how good you guys do to this. God is good all the time. Let's try it again. God is good all the time. All the time. Do you believe that? Or is that just something really cool to say when the pastor says that? You know, we're in lines at a concert or whatever. God is good all the time, all the time. And we, we sit there and say that until God leads me to something. Whoa, that's not good. You need to change this. And God says, God is good <laughs> all the time. <laughs> if God is good all the time and I want him to change his mind, what am I asking him to change it to? If it's good already. I'm just making you think. I'm not doing anything that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make you believe something. It's time Christians wake up and they think. Maybe my perspective of this is wrong. Maybe it's, this is why so many of us have weak surface level Christianity because we're not willing to answer the questions per, past that. Psalms 18 verse 30, as for God, His way, His way is perfect. His way is perfect. If God's mind and God's way is perfect, then why am I asking God to change it? There's only one reason. I don't believe it. And I know you're going to say, well, this doesn't add up. Just please let me finish. I promise I'm going to bring you all the way through this today because I had the struggle with this myself. If it is good and we ask God to change it, then what is God changing it to? Another form of good? And I've heard that. Is there something better than God's way? The bigger question is, why would we want to change it? Now, the second view is this. And I'm going to ask you this. With that, there cannot be trust in God with all your heart if in your mind you're trying to change his mind. There would be no reason for Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. My understanding is, whoa, here's this, change it. That's my own understanding. God said, do not lean on your understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. It's literally going back, what is your mind? What is your mind? It's perfect, it's good, it's always good, and that does not change. Laying a foundation here. The second view is, we have this idea that, you know, it's, it's, it's God cannot change. And all, but then the, the, the other view is, with, you know, with, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Man, I've seen that on, on people that play sports that have nothing to do with God. They'll write it on their cheeks. They'll do it. They're out there cursing God and doing all this. But they claim that verse, beat their chest. Man, I can do all things. And we, we know that that's not true. No, no, don't take me wrong. It's not true if you take it out of context. It's not true if you take it out of context. It, it doesn't mean that I'm going to win the Super Bowl every single year because of the fact that I have that on my t-shirt. 
So, so there's something that we have to understand. The Bible says that God gives us our heart's desire. But if your heart is wrong, God does not give you your heart's desire. We say with God, all things are possible. Thing, all things are only possible if those things align with the will of God. Amen. I gave you the illustration. If, if I woke up today and said, man, I'm going to rob this bank and I'm not going to get caught. How do you know that? With God, all things are possible. You say that's the wrong kind of thinking. Amen, it's the wrong kind of thinking. You've taken something out of context. So why would God say to pray if it doesn't make a difference? I could rain on and on and on with different things in the Bible that God hears our prayers and God answers our prayers and all this. So let me just run through. Last week I hit two different points about all these facts that we know from the Bible. Number one, that prayer does change things. The Bible emphatically says over and over again, pray, knock, ask, it shall be given you seek, and you shall find knock, and it shall be open to you. The, the whole thing is pray, result, pray, answer, pray, something happens. The prayer does do something. It's not in vain. It's not void. It's not empty. But with that, remember that God does not submit to us, but God does respond to us. Number two, prayer changes us. If God has a plan and it is good and God has a way and it is perfect, then it's not so much me about me changing God, but God changing me. We went through a time of selling our house a while back and it, it, it took a lot. It was hard. We had to sell our house. We have five of us. My kids are growing in at that time where they were all creeping in the teenage years. And here at that point, we bought or rented a two-bedroom apartment with the bedrooms that were smaller than, than half the size of their old bedrooms. And then on top of that, we had one bathroom. Now, you guys do the math on that thing, okay? Five people, one bathroom, tiny little apartment, whatever. And, and I'm sitting there with our kids, and there's stress, and there's fighting, and all this other stuff. And they, the, our, our kids didn't understand. They, they just know that we moved out of this house into this, and we kept telling, it's going to be so much better. They're like, Dad, this is not better at all. Not one bit. <laughs> there's nothing about this. But they didn't understand. So you know what I did as a dad? I sit them down, and I said, here's the thing. We're not over yet. You've got to trust me as your dad. And the thing is, we're about to get a house, and in just a couple of weeks, we're going to go visit the house, and we're going to walk through it, and I'm going to show you your bedrooms and all this other stuff. But the thing is, right now, you've got to trust me and get this in your mind. You know what the kids did? They started counting down. They started helping us pray for the house. It changed them. They didn't change me. I didn't go, okay, let's move back to the house that we moved out of. No. I changed them to understand where I'm taking them, and then they're like, woohoo, let's do this. Do you understand God does that in our prayers? That's why if any man lack wisdom, let him do what? Ask of God. And God gives to you liberally. God literally pours it out. God does this. God's constantly, that's why he said in Philippians 2.5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. He's constantly forming me into the image of God. 1 John 5.14, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. Here's what talking to God does. It helps me to understand and know his will. He, he speaks to me. But this next point is where everything lined up. And this next point, I'm going to take you on a journey, and we're going to start over. Everything that we talked about, I'm going to, I'm going to just put on a shelf. And I want to start over with like a whiteboard, if you will, and just say, let's start over from a different perspective that maybe God wanted us to approach all that with. Because I look at it and say, is it this or is it this? And then I step back and say, wait a minute, Scripture can't contradict itself. And God says, why don't you do this? Why don't you take it and line it all up? Because God's words will never fail, never mess up, and it all makes sense, and it all is right. 
So here it is. We have these two views. And as we go through the Bible, let's start over with this point right here. Why do we pray? And don't let me lose you at first because you're like, oh, I was expecting something bigger. Prayer pleases God. Now I'm going to walk you through how everything we have talked about lines up with this. At the end of our earthly lives, when we have this visual of us getting to heaven, and everything is wrapped up, and we're standing there with the complete of our life, there's no more praying at that point. We're standing before God, and he says this in Revelation 4.11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were and are created. You exist. You are breathing right now because God desires and God created you and God wanted you. You were created by the desire of God. Now, it's got to build. I've got, I've got to get to this for you to understand. So as we look through this, the disciples were learning to pray. They, were, they asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus said something in the middle of that teaching that begin to lay the groundwork for us to understand why we pray. In Matthew 6, 9, he says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. The perspective that God gave us to pray is praying to him as our Father. And I know we've already touched on that. We went there about how it's close and it's intimate and it's meant to be continual and things like that. When Jesus was broken at the point of being distraught, he didn't know, literally sweating drops of blood in the garden, he fell on his face. And the Bible says in Matthew 6, 39, and he went a little further and fell on his face and he prayed saying this, Oh, my Father. If it be possible, let this cup. He gave a request, but he started off with the intention of addressing him, not as God, but as my father. Mark explained the same prayer later in Mark 4.36, and he said, Abba, Father. We looked at that as the intimate form of crying out to God. It's an intimate relationship that you have with God. All things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup. Nevertheless, not what I will, but thou wilt. The foundation of this is God is saying, stop and view prayer, stop and understand the view of prayer as a father or a mother. We were created by God. The Bible says, Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. Not because he had to, not because he was obligated, but simply because God wanted to create us. Simple thought. Let's break it down. Number one, God desires us. He desired us. He desired to create us. He desired for us to be like him. He desired for us to be created in his image, unlike anything else. I don't think we fully understand that. I I, I think as we're we're doing things and going through life, I don't think we can fully grasp until something hit me so hard. I was invited to a party. And at this party... There was this gender reveal for Richard and Maggie. And they played a video. They recorded this clip of them finding out that they were going to have a baby. For the first time after five years of praying. And they put up a camera and they went in there and they pulled out the test. And then they just wept. Five years. Five years of this inward desire 
I want a baby, I want a baby, I want a baby, I want a baby. And people come up to him and say, you know what that means? They're going to keep you up at night. They're going to be needy and they're going to want things all the time. And they're going to get older and they're going to want money and they're going to disappoint you. And they're going to frustrate you. They're going to wake up and say, I just threw up in my bed and all that other stuff. And something inside of us that is yearning and crazy sits there and says, I want a baby, I want a baby, I want a baby. I asked you, where in the world does that crazy, passionate, overwhelming, uncontrollable desire come from? Where does that come from? And sometimes I think we sit there and we look at our life and say, this is a good illustration of God. And God says it's the other way around. I'm the author of the illustration. This relationship, this desire that I created, you were created in my image, not the other way around. God says, you understand that desire for children, the desire to have you in my life, that desire to hold you, kiss you, know you, see you, did not come from us, it came from God. We're born with it. Have you ever wondered why, where, how? I've showed you guys this picture before. This is a picture of Morgan. She was just a little girl, and for Christmas, she got a baby doll in a crib. Do you know what that little girl did all day long with that baby? She held it. She, she taught it. She loved it. She kissed it. She carried it around. She'd put it to bed. She'd yell at us for waking up the plastic doll. All, all these things, she's, she's all over this thing all day. And you sit there and said, oh, you gave her classes for that. Never. Something is in her. She was the baby, so there was not another baby in the house even for her to mimic. Say, I thought we were talking about prayer. Oh, we are. Please, please stay with me. Because I don't think we get it. My Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. God begins to say, you don't get it, do you? Your motive is so wrong. Your perspective is so messed up. Your view of me is so wrong. God says, do you understand as children, I desired you. I wanted you. The second thing, God loves you. You say, wow, could he get any more basic? I'm getting there. Please help me. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, it's the only time we have the wording like that. That he gave his only begotten son. We as parents kind of get this. There are no limits to our love for our kids. Amen. We will stay all up all night when they are sick. Uh, um, Sienna is at Children's Hospital right now with a tooth infection. Michael and Susan are with her right now. She said, he said, we, didn't, we haven't been sleeping. We stay up all night. We hold her, kiss her, help her, whatever. We pick them up when they fall. We hold them while they're throwing up. We carry them when they're tired. We let them sit on our laps when our legs fall asleep. We carry them through theme parks for hours on end because they're exhausted. When they do nothing to earn it, yet you still pour out blessing and provision and protection, you turn around and realize what you're doing and giving them is grace, grace, grace. I ask you, where does that come from, that great love? And the Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lays down his life for his friends. Don't overlook the message of the cross. I think we do. I was lost in sin, and Jesus died to give me salvation. Well, was that all it is? If that's all it is, John 3.16 would not start off with God so loved the world. 
The whole thing that he did is he had this passionate love that literally sin got between us. And God says, I don't care if it takes my life. I have to take on sin. I have to be tortured on the cross. I will not, not allow something to separate me between my kids. Psalm 149 verse 4, listen to this. For the Lord taketh pleasure in his people. Pleasure. He will beautify the meek with salvation, pleasure, desire, passion, joy, anticipation, happiness. I was created in the image of God. I am a reflection of him. I love him because he loved me first. I desire him. But let me tell you, his desire started with me first. Once again, you say, what does this have to do with prayer? God desires us. God loves us. God delights and hearing from us. I remember those first days of having a baby when Jordan was born. And you gather around and you put him on the blanket. Mom and dad are just hovering over him. They probably thought we were weird at that age. You know, it's like, what is wrong with these people? But you know, you're just, you're hovered over and you're watching every move and everything that they're doing. And then they sit there and get that smile and you're thinking, I made him smile. And then they make noises and you figured out it was something else. But that's a, and, and you're just, you're so built up with this, this joy of them liking you or saying, and then they get a little older, and then there's this competition that happens. Mom and dads won't admit it, but it's definitely true. If they're going to say a first word, <laughs> it's going to be data. And so, data. So I would, not data, like, you know, information, but. Uh, <laughs> last week, I guess I was preaching on Sunday night, and uh, I was like, God reached out to the lepers. And afterwards, the church told me that I said leprechauns. So, but really, in reality, it's all true. If there were leprechauns, God would love them. God's no respecter of persons. That's not the point. I wanted Jordan to say, Daddy or Dada. And Jenny wanted him to say, Mama. And all of a sudden, I remember coming home, and Jenny says, come here, come here, come here. And she sat him down, and she's like, Mama, Mama. And Jordan repeated that back. And we're sitting there like, you know, like we won the lottery or something like that. You're just like, wow, this is so awesome. We're trying to get it on video. We're saying this and all. And you say, why? Why? What is wrong with us? Guys, I'm asking you, what is wrong with us that a baby We'll sit there and, and roughly say two syllables. It, it is two syllables, right? Yeah. Two syllables. <laughs> and we get all crazy and, and, and go uh, just falling in love with that. Because I desire that kid and I love that kid and I love them desiring me. You say, where does that come from? That came from God. You, you, you realize when they got a little older and I would run through the door, one of the greatest sounds that I could hear is my kids running up to me yelling, Daddy. It's an internal desire that I have to receive love from my kids. I want that. Guys, you know what it's like when you randomly get a text or call from your kids just as that they say, hey, Dad, I just wanted you to know that I love you. I'd rather hear that than, than anything from work or anything in life or the economy is doing better, whatever. That means more to me than anything. I went to staff meeting the other day, and I take this yellow legal pad, and I, I walked in there, and I was flipping through because I had pages of notes, and I flipped through a page that was not my writing. And I looked down, and Morgan was sitting in my office, flipped through my yellow pad, and she wrote this. It says, hello, I love you, heart, heart. The fave, Morgan. Okay. 
I, I asked her, I said, do you mind if I read this in church? And she says, no, I want everybody to know I'm your favorite, so go for it. So, <laughs> Can I tell you what this did to me on that day? Can I tell you the, the, the pleasure, the fact that I read that, the fact in staff meeting, I kept flipping back to there and reading that thing, and that was pretty cool. She thought of that. She wanted to do that. That, that means the world to me. You say, why is that? Why? I, when, we're, when our kids are little and they write out little cards and they misspell everything and there's no grammar, no punctuation, you can barely read it and you hold on to it forever. You say, Why? We desire to hear from our children. We love to hear from them. Say, this is not the direction that I was thinking we would go on prayer. Do you understand that God delights in you? It's not an obligation. It's not a have to. It's not a beg God. It's a matter of he's sitting there going, you sit there and our phones light up with the text. I check it right away because I want to hear from them. I care about them. It means something to me. They were created for your pleasure and you delight in them the way that God delights in us. There is great value to you with God. In Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in. I'll sup with you and you with me. That's Revelation that's after the church is after everything. All this, and God's saying, "Do you get what I want?" Have we ever? Did we not stop with prayer and just say, "God, what do you, what do you want out of this? What's the purpose? What's the reason? What's what's the background of this?" Let me give you another one. So God loves us, or God delights us in us. God desires us. God loves to hear from us. God delights in us needing Him. Things are going to begin to connect now, okay? When God says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting your care upon him for he cares for you. I, I, I just had this recently where Morgan told me the next morning that she woke up and she said, Dad, something happened and I was, I, I, it just scared me in the middle of the night. And I said, well, what did you do? She said, I was trying to go back to bed. I was trying to do all these things. And I said, Morgan, why didn't you wake me up? I didn't want to bug you. Morgan, if you're up and you're afraid, you're never, ever, 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 ever bugging me. Never. She's not going to get that. But I, I, every parent here knows from the perspective of a father. And your kids are carrying something. And the Bible says, cast your care upon him. And it gives you the reason. I care for you. Any of you know when your kid is carrying a burden and they're going through life and they're going through being bullied at school or a problem in their life and you find out about it, you know what the first thing you're doing is, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? Do you, do you not understand? Do you not respect me? Do you not have any idea how crazy I love you, how, how I would do anything for you? I would drop everything. I would run to you. I would pick you up. I would care for you. Do you get that? It bothers me for my kids not to put their burdens on me. It bothers me when they don't tell me. It bothers me when they're afraid and I don't know. I want to hear it. It bothers me when they try to go through life. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this. It bothers me. I've told you guys that story when, when, when Logan was a little boy and he was trying to dress himself and he, he literally got caught up in his shirt. I mean, I walk in there and it looked like he got ate by this shirt. 
And I went in there and said, what's wrong with it? He's on the floor and he's crying and everything. I said, Logan, all you had to do is ask dad. Here's the thing I want Logan to know. I'm able. I am able. I am able and I want to help you. But I wait for you to call me. And you say, God doesn't, God doesn't uh, just meet our needs. God, God does amazing things. God goes before us. He's behind us. He's given us grace every single day of our lives. Absolutely. But I tell you, there's a principle that God teaches us to learn in all of this. In your time of need, you cry out to God. In your time of need, you lean on God. In your time of need, God carries you through. That, that, that's what God wants us to do, is not to lean on your own understanding, because when I'm not calling out to God, usually I'm trying to do it myself. And God sometimes will wait for you to slip and fall and say, all right, now do you get it? Walk with me. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. And I lead them and I take care of them. God delights in us needing him. Because I love him. God says, I am able. Now, now think of this verse with that. Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to his power that worketh in us. God just waits for it. God delights in answering our prayers. God could have made us any way that he wanted. God could have made us slaves and servants. He could have. God could have made us just God in creation, but he didn't. God created us different than the animals and different than everything else. God did not have to make us with this free will to choose or to call out or to lean or to want or to desire, but he did. He did. We talk about the sovereignty of God, that God is all in control and everything. God says, let me explain something. I created you as children. I created you with needs, and I created you to need me for your needs. I created you to cry out to me. That is how you're structured. The same way that a car can operate without gas, you cannot operate without God. We were created in that way. Twice says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God says this, it pleases me to answer thee. Call unto me and I will do this. Now we pull in another perspective because we've got to line these things up, okay? When my kids were born, they were born into a Christian home. Jeremiah 29.11, I I added this verse, so Richard, you're not going to have it. Jeremiah 29.11 says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Listen to this. Sayeth the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. And I, I, I laid out all those passages and illustrations for us to try to line up in life of understanding this. And God says, I, I have a plan for every one of you. We are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. We're the light of the world. We're, we're, we're the teachers. We're, we're all these different things that can go on and on. You guys know what I'm talking about. And when we're born into this world, God it makes us where he has a path and a direction and things like that. I told you, God did not create us like a train where he's saying it's one path and you're not going to do it. He created us like a car where God gave us free will. And in that path, God said, I have an expected end. But let me tell you about that end. With my kids being born into my house, there are some things you have to understand that will not change. You've got to understand, when I say, I am dead and I change not, my kids come to me and say, Dad, do you think we could have a drinking party? No, you're not. And can I change your mind? No, you're not going to change my mind. Dad, can I get married? No, you can't. Why not? You're 14, okay? I, I could go on and on. Kid, Dad, if, if I prove myself with my allowance, can I get married? No! 
There are certain things that you have to understand that as a dad, I want what's good and want what's best. Whatever is in this path because of my character, and I'm not, please allow me to draw a parallel without me sounding like I'm building myself up, okay? But everything that I'm going to do as a dad is good. Now I know as a as a, a human being, as a dad, it's not always good. I mess up or whatever. But can I tell you that my God is not a human being dad? He's never going to mess up. He's never going to be caught off guard or whatever. So I can tell you this path or direction or the end that he wants me to get to, this, this way of life, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. All those things that we learn from church. Do you understand that every bit of this that God has for me is good? It's never going to be bad. He'll never tempt me with evil. He'll never throw me off track. It's good. God desires, God's mind is for me to be happy, to be used of God, to serve the Lord, to live pure, righteous, obey God. All these things are good. And my kids will never be able to come to me and say, Dad, do you care if I throw my life away? No. There will never, ever, 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 ever be any of those things that I will condone, push, bless, or give that's going to go against that. So let me break this last point down. Our, our prayers must align with the Father's will. With the Father's will. My kids cannot ask me to help them quit school. It doesn't go with that. I don't care how they plan to change my mind. Sorry, kid. I can see down the road. I can see further than you. You can sit there and say, this doesn't make sense. I will not do that. 1 John five fourteen, And this is the confidence. This is where our confidence comes that we have in him, that if we ask anything, and don't leave this out, according to his, he heareth us. He hears us, confidence that he hears us. But on this path, desire from my kids, I, I delight to answer their requests. That's why the Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of their heart. Along on this path that I'm going, and I ask God, God's saying, you know what? Dad, I'm, I'm 21 years old, 22, 25, Morgan, 32 years old. I want to get married because that's the acceptable age. <laughs> yes. Dad, I, I, want to, I want to go off to college. Yes, I, I want to do what's right. Yes, yes, yes. The Bible says in this passage, delight thyself also. Where? In the Lord. In his way, in his plan, in his mind, in his righteousness, in his holiness, in his goodness. Not outside of it. That's why I'm saying I can do all things through Christ. No, you better line up with the will of God and the mind of God. That's why he said with God all things are possible in his will. With God I can do all things in his will. Remember he is a good father. Apply this to prayer. Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. A good father will answer thee. But listen, it doesn't say grant thee. A father will say no. A good father will say no. Let me put it that way. And our father, Lord, I want to marry that God. And God, that, that, uh, Lord, I want to marry that girl. And God tells us no. She's an atheist. It's not what I have for you. Lord, I want that car. And sometimes God says, wait. He will answer thee. Lord, I want to go to college. And God says, yes. Lord, I can't afford college. And God says, trust. God always answer us according to his will. I want to see revival. Lord, help me with my anger. All these things that God does in our lives. But number two, we must trust that the Father's will is always good. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Good and perfect is what it says in that passage. Good and perfect. He is good. He's always good. That's what God does. If you're praying for something better in your life, you don't have to change the mind of God. Because he already desires to give you that. 
Can I say that again? If you are praying for something good or better in your life, you don't have to change the mind of God because it's already what he wants for you. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. If a son shall ask of you, of his father, to give him a stone, and if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more does your heavenly Father, the whole, through the Holy Spirit, to them that ask him? The Father does not always give us what feels or looks good, though. And I think that's where we get shaky at things. I've placed my kids in situations that they've asked me to change, and I refuse to change. Listen to this. I've made them take medicine when they were kids, and I say, you have to swallow it. Let's try that again. You have to swallow it. And then they've even thrown up before. No, you've got to swallow it. It looks like I'm forcing them to do something that is not good, but the thing is, Father knows. I know. I've made them get shots. I've even held them down. I've made them do homework. I've made them cancel appointments and uh, time with their friends. There are things that they will ask me to change because they simply don't think that it is good. Then they will question their love for me or my love for them. They will question, does dad really care about me? If I want to do this and this is good and I don't understand it. And the same thing in our lives. Things will come that we won't understand. We will lose jobs. We will get sick. We will get hurt. But the thing is that we've got to understand in this that we've got to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. There is a story of a young boy This young boy was playing baseball, and his mom prayed and said, Lord, keep my baby safe. Lord, keep my baby safe. Lord, I just pray over him every single day. The boy was the catcher. He was out there. The boy up the bat hit a line drive right down the middle. The boy did not lift up the glove in time, and it shattered his face. They called a rescue squad. They brought him there. They picked him up, and they're there. And the whole time, the mother's testifying, saying, God, where are you? God, why in the world? God, I trusted you. Lord, I asked you. I begged you. God, why? I don't get it. The surgeon comes out of there and says, Ma'am, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but while we were reconstructing your boy and putting him back together, we found a mass on the other side of his cheekbone. It would have expanded and eventually killed him, and you would have never known. What a coincidence. What an accident. No, what a God. When God says all things work together for what? All things. You know what things are in our life? There are things that we don't understand and things that don't make sense. And sometimes it's it's a ball in the face and sometimes it's a car wreck and sometimes it's losing our job. Sometimes it's being betrayed by your brothers. Getting sold as a slave. God, I need to change your mind. I guess there's no you need to trust. And you get sold into slavery, and the boss's wife lies about you to get you thrown into prison. God, where are you? I'm right here. You've got to trust. And then you get betrayed by two friends that say that they're going to help you when they get out of prison, and they don't. And eventually, at the end of what God has, you find out that God, through all those trials and tribulations and the things that he was with you with, the things that he was answering the whole time, was no or wait or no or trust through the whole thing. And at the end of it, you know what happened? Salvation came to his family and salvation came to a nation. The story of Joseph. You sit there and say, I need to change the mind of God, or I've got to, got to, why isn't this good? And God says, man, it's good. You just can't see it yet. Oh, it's good. This is just broccoli in your life. This is just a shot in your life. 
This is medicine that I need you to swallow. But God made a promise that all of these things work together for good to them that love God. To them that are called according to his what? So I close with this. We must trust God with all our hearts. But I'm not going to leave it there. I want you to learn the trust in his love. Trust in a father's love. When you're praying and you're upset and you're truly bitter in your heart, listen to me. You think about you with your kids or people that you love. If you don't have kids, you think about that. You sit there and you're shaking your fist at God or whatever and God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Would you dare do something evil to your kids? Would you dare hurt them? You trust in his love. Listen, you trust in prayer. You trust that God is always good. You trust that God cannot lie. I have to to bring it to this in Isaiah 55 verse 8. God said this, My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He knows the end. Guys, can I tell you, he knows the end. And along the way, God's going to, man, you pray and God advances. You pray and God answers. You, you get off and you pray and God helps you. It's not, never, never changing his mind. It's always the same goal that he had for you. But our mindset has to be that loving father, the fact that we please God, and in return, God blesses us and God answers us. He knows why. Do you know that? He knows why when you don't know why. He knows why when you don't get it. He knows that this is temporary and that pain will pass. And I've wondered this in my life. Can we get real? Just... There are things that I preach, 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 preach. I say, I get it. God, you're in control. Even stories like Stephen in the Bible. Stephen here, he's out deacon, preaching the word of God, and he was stoned to death. Trace his story all over the end. Revival breaks out. And I think that God says, you know, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And God took him. But what about in our lives? I'm saying, get one of your babies that gets sick. And you carry him, you're asking, Lord, I'll give you the glory, I'll give you the glory, I'll give you the glory. And all of a sudden you hit a spot and they're saying it's terminal and your baby's not going to recover. And then you sit there and say, where are you? Seriously? Or that relative that you know just has not accepted Jesus Christ and you begged and you pleaded and you prayed and you know that their destiny is hell. You know what I'm talking about? What do you do? Your thoughts are not his thoughts. And I can say whatever situation you're in, God is way ahead of you. And he's working things out and he's doing things. And that person, that you're, a relative that you're praying for, God says, I'm speaking to his heart and he's fighting me. And I'm not going to force his hand to salvation as I prick his heart. Sometimes it's maybe not even about you and God. It's between God and that other person. And God's not going to force them to salvation. Do you know why? Because God cannot change and God will not force us to salvation. So I wrap it up with this. So what do I do? You trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
my heart, my mind, my thinking, my fears, my desires, my frustrations. My heart is my babies. My heart is Jordan, Logan, Morgan, and Jenny. That's my heart. God says, you know what you do? You trust me with Jordan, Logan, Morgan, and Jenny. But God, lean not on your own understanding. Stop. But God, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And you know where I'm going to end up? That expected end that he has for my life. There's a lot of things I can't explain. But I can explain this. He's our father. He desires you. He loves you. He loves to hear from you. And he loves to answer your prayers. And you can't live without him.